lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, resplendent Hawaiian shirt. It must be, uh, is, you have a Friday dress code around here at Gojo. Brandon Newman. Casual Friday, baby. Thank God it's Friday night and I just, 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 just got paid. The NSYNC version, not the El DeBarge or whoever the old people that they stole it from's version, just to be correct and clear. Noted, noted, yes, noted, yes, and appreciated yes. as we roll into this Friday here. Uh, got a great show for everyone today. As you know, every other Friday, we alternate between Stu Gotts from the Dan Lebitard Show and my dad, Mike Golick Sr. from Golick and Smeddy. But today we got a little added bonus in there too. Very excited to welcome Paige Demacos into the Gojo expanded cinematic universe here. She's the CEO of the Draft Network, which if you haven't checked them out, I don't know how you've missed it at this point. They do some outstanding content all across the web, not only leading up to the NFL draft, which is certainly at the heart of all that, but they cover the game year round. They're always putting out really great, interesting, unique content. And Paige has been the brains and the driver behind that. She's got an awesome team. And more important than anything, she is as big a sports fan as we've ever met. Huge Chicago Bears fan, proud Nebraska Cornhusker alum. And so excited to chop it up. We had an awesome time with her and dad looking at the current college football landscape, the recruiting landscape, and how much that has changed and affect the way that we see the game right now. And then obviously waxing poetic because it is beef week and because Paige is also going to be down at O-Line Masterminds and because they do great content related to teaching about the offensive line. So we all get to talk about our favorite big boy things, which is the love language of this podcast. Yes. Uh, shout out to Paige, one of the many friends that I've gotten a chance to meet in person uh, from, from your uh, world. And we met her at the draft right before we launched this podcast and had a great time with her and her staff. Uh, if you're following us on our Instagram and Twitter, Gojo Show, that is the house that we were at when we got that infamous picture of uh, Mike Gullick Jr. and that beautiful Corgi. Uh, I forgot that Corgi's name, but it meant everything to me at the time. Peaches. Peaches, yes, and it's back. 
<laughs> so, yeah, shout out to her and uh, uh, a great time and uh, a great day on this uh, July 8th. Uh, Brandon, we also wanted to address the elephant in the room before we got to that point because we know there's a lot of people upset with things that we have and have not yes. covered around here. It's, yes. It's, it's become a thing now, and so we don't want to run from that. We're always going to put our hand up and own it when we get something wrong and we feel like we've missed something. So, Brandon, would you mind reading the prepared statement that we have? We here at the Gojo Show apologize that we have done many an episode and haven't mentioned an inkling of the existence of the NBA Summer League. We realize that Chet Holmgren is out here uh, rocking Katie's shoes and wearing the number seven and blocking things left and right. And there's a bunch of other names that are important. But uh, we frankly uh, don't give a rat's ass uh, other than the pictures of old pictures of LeBron and, and, and Chris Paul and other people in their first summer league debuts. We thank you for that. But other than that, I couldn't tell you when the games come on. I uh, couldn't tell you who's in the audience. Uh, it really matters none. And Mike and I got in a little quick debate and argument over if Summer League was the equivalent to NFL preseason. And yeah, I lost that I argument. I thought it was more USFL than NFL preseason. You made a great point that one at least flies the banner of the league that it is feeding into. So yes. that's a point proven. Maybe it exists somewhere between those worlds. Maybe I'm just more football drunk than most people. And I have to just admit that to myself. I, and I, I thank you for being that. This is a football podcast. If you follow us on uh, Gojo Show on Instagram or Twitter, yeah, which by, by, the, by the way, like that was mis <laughs> misidentified very early on, as anyone who's listening to this podcast can tell you. But at this Listen, point, that's what it says up there. Change it. That's what it says up there. And if we change it again, you know what? We probably won't do it without an audience submission. So if you guys want a five star review, to <laughs> Five hey, Twitter yeah, download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo. And seriously, start doing the unsubscribe, resubscribe thing. I know Stu Gatz has told you guys to do that in the past. We need your help here to keep climbing up these charts. Unsubscribe, resubscribe. Take your friend's phone this weekend. Subscribe for them. Download, rate, and review it. And when you leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review with what our new Twitter bio should be because Brandon thinks it's time to change it. Now, you said it was misrepresented. I said nothing of the sport. Brandon, oh speaking my of Twitter. Gosh. Did you see what happened in the world? I like we'll talk a lot about college football with Paige and Dad, but I couldn't get over the fact that in yesterday's Twitterverse in the college football space, it was Braden Keith, who is the co-founder, editor in chief of Swim Swam News, which is a legitimate swimming publication on God's internet. Oh yes. Does a fantastic job covering the sport. He tweeted out source North Carolina and Florida state Clemson and Virginia are all negotiating to join the sec. ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. Now, it's not to say that at this point, because these are big, far-reaching decisions that can affect yes. the entirety of the school, that mm -hmm. information could not be known in some way, shape, or form by people outside of just the football department on a campus and that this could come out this way. That being said, this is also a reminder that like reading comprehension on all of this matters. And I have no beef with Braden Keith. He could absolutely be a legitimate source. The reason I am inclined to 
not quite buy into this as much as something I'm willing to look at long term is ESPN trying to void their TV deal with the ACC that goes till 2036 that is extremely <laughs> friendly to the company and does them a lot of favors so that these teams could leave, which would also then likely break any sort of tie Notre Dame had to the ACC where they mm. would have free reign to do whatever they want even more than it feels like they already do. So, uh, again, we're at the point now where... I feel like because this isn't the covert op that USC and UCLA ran, this is a lot more chaotic energy around these moves. We're going to be hearing a lot everywhere, and it's just important to stop and take a beat. I saw Chris Long made a wonderful video getting ready for Virginia's welcome into the SEC and then maybe realized that this wasn't necessarily the hill he wanted to die on, but don't let it stop you from having fun. Believe these things cautiously. Take everything as a little bit of a plot point, And don't get caught up slandering some, someone on the timeline just because they have a source that we don't know or agree with. I hate this point of time when, uh, you know, the news is moving so fast and the thing that doesn't seem real is real. Like, before we recognized that TMZ was a, a actual publication that gives off real Man. news. Right? Like, before they broke the Michael Jackson Wikipedia. death RP. Oh, Wikipedia. Don't get, don't get me started on the amount of hours our professors told us not to use Wikipedia only for the last 10 minutes of the hour. says, but they do have links at the bottom. So if you use those uh, as references, then that What counts. is it then? <laughs> what, can we use it? Pick a our, side. Can't we? Um, but I am a self-scout. We always want to self-scout on this podcast. I am so gullible. In the sense that I've always, I trust people whenever they come wearing uh, the wolf in the sheep's clothing. I'm like, oh, what's up, sheep? Let's uh, let's go hang out with some more sheep. Let me go introduce you to my cousin, sheep. Brandon, you know what? I think it's important to note, and I don't want, I I haven't gotten to the point where I'm willing to test this yet. Because again, I don't know Braden Key. So keep doing what you're doing. I just don't. I don't look at this and see how that last part especially would make sense to me. But that being said, it brings up a larger point. I feel like if you put source in all caps and then a colon, whatever Mm. you say after it immediately gains a lot more credibility. Like, I feel like you could get a fair amount, like, ball sack sports and the like have proven that as long as you put source, maybe throw up, like, a text uh, text box with some, like, small font on it and a picture of the athlete, you can get people to believe a lot of stuff, and source just may be the newest version of that. But I feel like it also gives you an out if you're trying to – you're like, oh, Source was wrong. Like, I bet Doug Gottlieb, Riss, he tweeted uh, Source before he talked about the information that he got out uh, for – I think it was the Live Golf Tournament at that point in time, and, and uh, somebody's seeking legal action. So I feel like it's also uh, like an easy out. Like, we see a PFT, uh, uh, PFT commentator will constantly use Source. Hell, his dog Lenny – uh, or is it Lenny the goldfish or the dog? Anyways, Lenny's the goldfish. Okay, Lenny's the goldfish. He had a dog who was the inside source person that would literally fed him probably whatever it was. A, it was well, a ghost feed. So like yeah, no, I think source was, is also a, a comfortable blanket. Well, it's a reminder that anyone can do that, including a dog. When you don't have you, you don't have to worry about the journalism part of it. It was dog tweeting about whatever they got DM'd by people, and that's totally right. fine. But for everyone else who's trying to figure out how to distribute credible information, yes. we all just have to work a little bit harder right now. Because Silly Season got yes. turned up a little bit, yes. and that is okay for entertainment. It's not great when you're trying to forecast the future. <laughs> that being said, coming up here, we're going to take a quick break, and the future of this podcast involves my dad and Paige Demacos. Sit back, take a listen. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship, much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The wildest thing that I remember, Dad, didn't you guys get issued chucks because you didn't have an indoor practice field? You had a basketball court? So were the old, God, I don't even know, was the old rink still around when you guys were at school in yeah. D.C.? And that yep. little weight room next to the rink, that was our weight room. Oh, yes. And that area right around the rink, that's where we practiced when it was wet outside, and we got Chuck Taylors to practice in. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about nothing. And, I mean, we hit. We, we, we kept pads on, and we hid in there and everything. You guys, you guys were out here taking them to the ground Listen, and chucks. The, the first fucking game, this was Jerry Faust coming in from high school. So the first pregame warm-up, you know, for the first game against LSU, we were number five, we played LSU, and we're doing all pregame, and then we how you end on goal line sometimes on pregame? Uh-huh. Goal line was live. We, I mean, oh like, my god! Yeah, yeah, we were tackling. We were we were going full go on the lines and Submarine. tackling backs. I mean, oh. and and all the other coaches were like, "What the fuck?" And and, and we, that lasted one game. We we're like, oh. "Are you fucking crazy? Could you imagine getting someone hurt?" <laughs> 10 minutes before the game, doing that dumbassery. That feels like some stuff Ed Orgeron probably oh, tried to do at some point during God. his LSU tenure, just in the name of... Well, hey, listen, when I was in Philly and Buddy Ryan was a coach, we would be, we uh, do live ones against ones, and Buddy would said, cuttings allowed. And we'd, be, and we'd be like, are you <laughs> shitting me? Cuttings <laughs> allowed. They said cuttings allowed. And the first thing that happened, Jerome Brown was on the line out there. And he yelled, any of you motherfuckers cut me, I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, the amount of fights that happened were unbelievable. I mean, the offensive players were afraid to cut oh Abe because God. they didn't want to cut. You didn't want to cut those guys and fucking hurt them. It That's was, so it was funny. the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> God. Oh, hi, Paige. By, by the hey, way, Paige. yeah. Hi, hi, pops. How are you? I'm like, what a great way to. End. I'm like, this is such a quintessential dad moment that I'm so happy to join. Right? Yes. Like, my dad relishes. Yeah, my dad relishes telling me about how much tougher him playing basketball was. These guys are pansies. They can't oh, well, beat this. Blah, blah, blah. He's right. But and you know, you know I, what? 
I, I'm not even saying we were tougher. In all honesty, we were dumber. I mean, well, also that. to Desert. do the shit we did was so dumb. I yeah, mean, and, just... and, and we equate it to toughness, which is just ridiculous. So Yeah, bravado. Bravado. Yeah, I'm like, bravado. yeah. I'm like, dad, that's so smart that you guys thought that the Oklahoma drill was just something that always needed to happen. Like, yeah. you just go out in the 50 and just, just blast each other. And he was like, well, yeah, that's just what you did. And I was like... Uh huh. Yep. And did you see the problem here? Like we just we just do what everybody else does. He's like, like, don't you remember the lessons you taught me? Don't do what everybody else does. He's like, that doesn't apply to me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds like about right. One, I feel like that's one of the rights of parenting <laughs> is the ability to say, do as I say, not as right. I do. I do. And so yeah, many exactly right. because yeah. you know most yes. of us aren't going to listen to everything anyway. Although that is interesting on the sports front because. Paige, you're around at so many of these camps now, these up-and-coming you know, quarterback prospects, young players. Like, I can't imagine what it – because I see them when they get to college and I start covering them. I can't imagine what a different world this all feels like now from when we were all in college watching this, especially the recruiting process, play out. Brother, this QB retreat, okay? I, I've been through this process with my brother – myself my dad was a is a college basketball coach like i know i've been it i've watched it friends i first of all i was always team nil but nil is wild west right now so that has created a totally even just last year's quarterback retreat to this year was massive difference right just the players, the reaction, the conversation, and is this how they talked retreat, about things. Is this all high school prospects? So they're college quarterbacks here? High school like and college. Here? Okay. Yeah, okay. high school and college. So like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Cam Ward, all the top guys that are going to go out. But then like the I, of course, befriend Anthony Youngblood, the, 10 years old, okay? This oh. kid had a cannon for an arm. Though. <laughs> I spotted him from across the field and I was like, I'm going to adopt that kid. Like that's the next Patrick Mahomes. And I became friends with his dad and his dad's like, yeah, we'd love to have you guys do like camps with him. I'm like, bro, you better not let me take him home. Like you'll never get your kid back. Like this kid's (laughs) kid's adorable. And he's got a cannon for an arm. He's throwing the entire route tree. Like he's 10, like you better get him far away from me. But just the, the, the amount of it's, it's twofold. It's one, the amount of hype, right. Which I think we all know, social media has created largely. Right. I mean, that's just something in high school. I didn't have Facebook until I was a senior. And I remember being so excited because I was like, Oh yeah, I have a Nebraska dot edu and I can get a freaking Facebook. Right. Like that was it. Now they're 10 years old walking up to me, Anthony Youngblood. And he's like, so sports page, are you going to put me on your gram? Are you going to post me? And I'm like, you're 10. Why do you even, why do you have a phone? Let alone, why do you know what Instagram is? Right. Like I am my dad now. I'm like, wow, I'm the old person. I'm, I'm like, I am my father because I'm watching this and I'm going, why do you have a phone? You're 10. Like, don't you just you don't need you don't need a phone. He's like, oh, I've had a phone since I was eight. I was like, excuse me, eight years old. You had a cell phone like I I'm just not I was not prepared for this. And then did just the overall the the clothes, the fashion, the like they look older than me. I'm like, you guys, how are you like so old and grown? Like I looked like a dork when I was 16. I didn't look like this supermodel. Like I wasn't like contoured and like, and I'm like, look at these girls. I'm like, oh my God. 
so so did you did, show up to these camps you do have to have like the requisite arm sleeves all the different like five inch seam shorts all that stuff is basically a requirement to be a cool kid now in this process. yeah but Paige, the, the question is did you put them on the gram of course i did oh my god you guys <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute ig stories or post I gave him a story because he was okay, too thirsty okay. for a post, right? Okay, I told okay. him, I taught him a very valuable lesson. I told him a valuable lesson. I said, I taught my brother this when he was young. Okay. <laughs> I go, it was a good sister. I said, you got, you, you, you're asking too much, bro. You're trying too hard. Yeah. I say, if you try so hard, not people are not going to like that. Okay? You don't like I thirsty. Go, no. I said, you're the hot girl, dude. Sit back, relax. Let him come to you. And he was like, Ooh, I'm the hot girl. I was like, yeah, you're the hot girl, dude. Relax. He was like, ah, he like didn't know what to do. And his dad's just like dying. Right. He's like, cause I'm this like random blonde woman on the side <laughs> with, with no children, like telling this guy, <laughs> the hot girl. Right. I'm like, well, who am I? Like, hot, right, hot girl summer's what not am I doing? Everybody. Hot girl summer's it's, a lot of power for people to handle. I'm just trying to teach these kids how to, how to take the power and use the power. Right. I was like, if you got the power, I might as well teach them how to use it. Right. So I was like, don't be so well, thirsty. kid. And I, I think that's honestly like, even in the bigger picture of all this, a super important conversation because all that speaks to, and I've said this for so long and dad, you've seen this, you know, go across decades now of going through the recruiting process when you were a high school recruit to when me and Brandon were going through this, when Jake and Sydney were going through this. Like I look back a decade ago when I was getting recruited and it is completely incomparable. The things that you were expected to do back then when you were getting recruited, you would go out and do some of the summer camp circuits, like your junior senior year you would go and do junior day visits you had all those things that went on and coaches would come and visit the school now it feels like if you're not going to these quarterback retreats what used to be the nike spark camps all of these different opportunities for competition you feel like you're being left out of the machine and that's before we touch the seven on seven leagues that have come up and all of it including nil deals that high school kids in a lot of areas can sign have forced them to have to really approach this like a business way before any of us had to start thinking about football in that way dad and, and, and you know what it, it can be a shitty business too because going through it the different segments i did th there wasn't camps when i was in high school you, you didn't have them you, you you didn't go anywhere there was and when i was at, at notre dame there wasn't summer school that didn't start till after i was done i think nebraska started it in the late 80s so i had none of that and then you guys you guys there were the camps where we sent jake to a camp a Nike camp. I think Kyle Rudolph was, was at that camp. And uh, Jake was there as like a freshman or a sophomore, did real well at the camp, got rated really high off the camp. And not long after that, uh, or when he committed to Notre Dame, just like when you committed, I don't, Mike, I don't think you went to any camps, but Jake did as a tight end. So as soon as Jake committed, he, he still got invited to these camps, but he didn't go. He was like, why am I going to go to these camps if... I, I, I'm already committed. And all of a sudden, his rating, the rating, and I'm doing air quotes, started to drop. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, just it, the, these, it's almost like you, you get a feather and a star for showing up to the camp, and then we'll see how you do there. But you have to show up to say you're interested and invested in coming to our camp if you want a high rating. Well, it's kind of like the draft, right? It's like the, the first round, the guy was going number one. 
you could lose money. And it's the only thing you can do is if you show up and go out there and perform at the combine, you could possibly lose money for yourself. So a lot of these guys are sitting out. I remember I got invited to a Nike camp back when that was cool. Like around, and then offers started to roll in, and I was like, eh, you know what? I really like this bag of Doritos I'm eating. Let me just uh, – <laughs> I, I, maybe maybe we won't travel to West Lafayette for Purdue's Nike camp this this year. But it, the game's changed completely. I mean, coaches used to text us, and social media wasn't even a thing back then. Like we were we were scouring rivals uh, in high school. Now these kids are taking their parents' phones or have their own phones page. This, this uh, Mr. Youngblood here and looking at looking at Instagram for highlights. Oh, they all have it. They all have it. Like, the, mind you. The quarterback retreat takes place you're on the beach, okay? Like, I have members of my team, right, at the Draft Network that are 30 years old who are experiencing this for the first time. <laughs> and it's like <clears throat> that context and then knowing that you've got 12, 13, 14, even younger than that. I think the camp starts at like eight years old. You're in Malibu. You're in Santa Monica on the beach, right? You're at this Lincoln middle school, which by the way, is like the nicest turf I've ever been on, like better than most of the NFL. Right. I'm like, what is this? Right. And it's a middle school and, and they're working out and then they're staying at a 700, $800 a night hotel. And I'm like, this is just not real life for me. Right. I'm just like, I just can't, I can't imagine. Like, I know how dumb my brother is and he was not that good. Right. I'm like, I can't imagine how much dumber he would be if it was now. Like, it just would have been out of control. And it's it's he still gets hyped. And the dude hasn't played basketball. He's he just turned 30. He hasn't played since he was 22. And people are like, oh, yeah, he's a baller. I'm like, he ain't a baller. What the hell are you talking about? That's over. <laughs> the hell? He's like, Paige, let it let, let it live. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm letting you live. no. Every once in a while, it is nice to know you. Like, someone thinks you still got it, even though that's, like, definitely not the case anymore. Like, my favorite thing that happens with is when people will still tweet, but, like, oh, like, Mike, such and such team could use you on the O-line right now. I'm like, bro, I'm 260 and get winded walking up the hill. Yeah. I couldn't <laughs> do that when I was trying to do that. And now you want me to do that when I'm just a gas bag? Like, no, Damn. absolutely not. But... I'm 260 right now, Mike. Damn. Yeah, I know, man. It's been, listen, been a long last couple of weeks. The holidays have been added up. Golf uh -huh. tournament, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, golf tournament but was big. We were hurting for a week after that. Yeah. It was it was a lot. Yeah. But I think all of that is super interesting, like you said, being thrust into the laps of players now. Because then, shoot, we look at like what goes on in college football. And everyone obviously was buzzing for a long time off the Arch Manning commitment to Texas, a place that already had Quinn Ewers transfer from Ohio State and head down there. And you've got kind of what's happened in a lot of these places, these log jams in quarterback rooms that ends up with someone inevitably transferring. And then people start to go back to the narrative they always do around college sports, which is everyone's running from the challenge. Everyone's trying to run from the game and all that. But I think what Paige just brought up there as context is probably worth remembering. Like these players are being treated different at an early age based on their ability, an earlier age than any of us did. Like, I always made this point about LeBron James. I can't expect him to be normal because he has not been treated normal since he was 14 years old. And at some point, that has an effect on you. Like, John Mulaney does that, that bit about, I think, like Mick Jagger, where it's like, yeah, for if 20 years of your life, if people are on, you're on stage and people are telling you you're a god, that's probably going to affect the way that you perceive the world. And so I, I think, like... 
it's great reminder for all of these players that as we see players get more freedom and use it, it's because they've been given more responsibility at a younger age than any of us had to process in the way that we came to college athletics. It's also, yeah, growing up on that, when I was 18 and dealing with college, when you and Jake were 18 and dealing with college, to the kids today, how they're dealing with it, it's all different. And I always said this in the years of, of doing radio, when everybody would say, oh, the game is different in the NBA. LeBron wouldn't have been able to play in the 80s or 90s. And, and my, I was like, bullshit. I said, if he was played in the 80s or 90s, that, that would mean he was born in that time, which would mean he was brought up on that era of basketball, which means right. at his size, he would have kicked ass at that size. These players today are born in this era. And this era is... Players are smarter and have more information. To Paige's point, these, there's 10-year-olds at these camps, which which is amazing and unbelievable, but it's also reality. It's not going backwards. So now the players are smart enough, and their parents and whoever their handlers are, are smart enough to say, okay, I've got basically five years to get seen by the right people and get enough time on the field to get a shot at the NFL. So if I have to move around, I have to move around. And, and I get it. I'm definitely not one of those old cronies that said, oh, stick with the competition. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, you want to say it's about competition, fine, but it's also about getting on the field. And I understand it. When you have a limited time to get on the field, and sometimes it's a good move to do, you make the right move, and sometimes kids overthink it, and their handlers and parents overthink it, and they move too many times around, you know, and, and then it ends up hurting themselves. But they're the ones that have to make the decision and they're the ones that have to live with the, the decision. I feel like it's, I feel like it's gone. To, it's like one extreme to the whole other way. Right. Where it's like, I feel like there was like, there could have been a really nice balance here, but we just decided to just like plow through the balance and go straight the other way. And it's where it's, there could have been a nice way for there to be a competitive competitiveness that I think needs to exist for sports. Like I, I understand the old head football coach mentality of like, I don't like the kid that doesn't want to compete. Right. But then I also understand the kid that tell, looks at you and says, well, how am I supposed to compete if I'm not going to get time on the field? Right. Or how am I going to get seen? Like I understand both viewpoints, but I also, I feel like a lot of parents are allowing their kids to like, they don't have to overcome adversity, right? They're just going to go, okay, I'm going to move you, right? You're 12 years old. You're not playing yet. I'm going to move you to different districts so you can play high school over here, right? So you can play over here. And it's like, maybe your kid hasn't grown yet, right? Like maybe your kid, like my brother is 6'6 six, six now. He was 5'5 five, five when he was a sophomore in high school. He was a dork. He had braces and he was chubby. And he, if you saw the picture of him in sophomore year, you'd be like, no way that dude played college basketball. He grew a foot. In from sophomore to senior year. And it's like that part of it, I think matters. And that's the part that I think my dad, I don't like to give him credit for a lot of things. Okay. Like zero credit, but Plato did it right. This was the one thing is like, he was tough on us. He was tough on me. Like you want to work in sports. You're going to have to handle this stuff. Right. Was it, did I like it? No. Was he right? Yes. I, I think he prepared me a lot of times for, situations that I was going to have to deal with no matter what. And I handled them. Right. Cause it's, and I think that's the tough part now is I think we went like it was too tough. Now we're too soft. We need to come to the middle, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're on the road. We're on the soft road forever. Now it's never well, coming back. I well, do wait, I, as a dad, as a dad, excuse me, take a seat. Uh, 
<laughs> me and Michael step out. Me and Michael step out. Sorry, sorry. Your reproductive abilities. No, no. Congrats hey, on the a, sex, Brandon. Hey, that's just on. <laughs> hey, I got a partner in that. Shout out. Um, but anyways, how can you prepare? This is, I guess, for for uh, you know, dad, dad, senior. Uh, how do you prepare when everything's changing? You know what I mean? Like, like you try to get Mike and Jake ready for what college football will be. The process of getting recruited and and working out and things like that. But the the game off the field has changed so much, and it is quite directly changing the game on the field. So, I mean, you have to adjust with it, right? So for for some, for Mike and Jake, now I, I controlled what I could control, and that is how I worked them out. I, I felt I could help give them an advantage to say, okay, you guys want to get to these levels. Okay, I did as well, and what I did, and now that's even progressed. Here's the work for getting on the field during a game or with your team. This is off the field. This is on our own. The sacrifices you have to make in the weight room on the field, not going out. Those are all things you have to buy into before we even get to what you want to do. Are you willing to do the things to get you where you need to go? Because it has to be different. It can't be just status quo what everybody else is doing. So, But then you have to change with what's going on. I mean, if it were the now, Jake and Mike would be going to these camps. They would be... Now, now again... Probably, I, I still don't see the value of going to the camps after you've committed. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, that's, I what, this, that's like, what I don't get. I think commitment now and for different people always means different things, right? Like, that was the school I had always wanted to go to. Right, that was right. much more passion right. than business right. decision. If you're an athlete, and we see it now, guys commit all the time. And then their recruitment process is still open. Most of yeah. these staffs don't yeah. get to stop recruiting these guys until that early national letter of intent day in December now. So, and that was a huge reason why that even became a thing. So, I think it does mean like commitment means different things to different guys. It's I'm comfortable with you now versus that was the goal and the destination. Like I went out there to play the game and said, you know, I'm going to do the recruiting process in case that offer doesn't come. But there was no question where I want to be. And I think for a lot of these guys, especially now with the NIL portion of it, whatever varying level you believe that's going on, that certainly made it much more of a like, all right, this is the right commitment now. But in a couple of months, who knows what happens to Paige's point? Who knows? Maybe I even hit a bigger growth spurt. Maybe I am, you know, available to schools that I wasn't before, and now that changes. So I guess to that point, you're right. So Brandon, it would be tough for me to answer outside of that because they both wanted to go and play football at Notre Dame. So right. once they committed, to me, they were there. You know, mm -hmm. th there wasn't going to be a changing of the mind. So that does make it difficult. Uh, to my, my, that's a great point that, that Mike is making. You never know what's going to come around the next corner or the next offer. Sometimes these kids get so excited to get that first offer, they take it, and then they realize, just like, again, Pager we have talked about, all of, because they're a sophomore. All of a sudden, they've gained 20, 30 pounds. They're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger, and different places come a-calling that maybe they didn't think were going to come calling. So so you kind of change your mind. So that that's... that. I was in a, in a place where I knew that's where they wanted to go. But I tried to take, like I said, care of a lot of the things before they even got on the field for the game that would help prepare them for as high as they could go. Because once they were playing in high school, I, I didn't get involved. I sat in the stands and just walked. I said, off the field, you know, they always loved the day after the game, when the high school game, when I'd have the games taped and get them down in the in the film room and and go over tape. But that's what I did because I need a film session oh, with both uh, Mike yeah. and Mike so bad. Oh, I, I need it. That's you taking the back seat. That's you taking the back seat, Dad Gullick. 
Well, oh, no, 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 no. I said I took a back yes. seat when they were with their coaches. Like when they were doing seven-on-seven seven or at practice. I never butted in. But on my time, on their time away from the team... Hell yeah! They were yeah. They, they 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 were in the way. Yeah, you room. see how he already phrased it as my time. Like yeah. it wasn't there to like yeah, no, help impart knowledge. Me. It was like I'm getting these takes uh, off. Damn it! So, um, so, I am so used to this vernacular. It is <laughs> it is quintessential father of the year. I'm like, yep, heard it. Yep, yeah, on repeat. And, and, yep, and let me yep, tell you, heard it all. Let me tell you, Brandon. Kids in high school don't like to watch film and get criticized. optional mandatory time yeah exactly it's the morning after the game because like our high school was weird and we played on saturdays which is a whole different saturday mornings you play yeah i'd be waking up yeah again thoughts and prayers i hope eventually they get lights over at that school for the love of god but um but no like Paige, to your point that film session would be a lot more enjoyable now with me and dad in there than it was sunday mornings in high school (laughs) where i was looking around like oh jesus man like just i i have to let you know that i'm 150 percent going to facilitate this because between sydney and Christine, one of the two of them will get me the tapes. Like I'll ah. be one of the Golic women to get me the tapes. And then I'm just going to be totally the professor show up. I'm going to John Madden on here and I'm going to start looping shit around and be like, Hey guys, what's going on up here? What's going on over here? What's going on over here? What are we in over here? What's you miss your block over there, Mike. And I'm just, we're just, we'll just really get after it. Right. So you're we a need- professional shit stirrer is what yeah. you are. Yes. 100%. <laughs> She's gonna give you as an somebody accurate, who, she's gonna give as you somebody who had to survive, yeah. yeah, I had to survive with Plato and Jared. This is survival mode. This is my technique. Everyone's always like, "You're not afraid of any of these NFL guys." I'm like, "No, have you met Plato? He's way scarier. None of you guys are scary. Like, it's, I had to survive, so I'm unafraid." Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno classic crust pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game winning call and grab a DiGiorno classic crust pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And Paige, that clearly shows up like you're like you're very much carry yourself like more so like a CEO than anyone I've ever met. And like, it's not surprising. It is in your title. But for you, like obviously over at the Draft Network now, you guys have been super successful. It's been really fun watching, especially what you have helped grow this into and what it's become. But like, when did you know, like within yourself, like I I feel like I can come in because even what you just did right there is what you do, I think better than most people when it comes to your job is see opportunities to create something and then go out and actually execute it. Like when did that become something that you kind of knew was the way you could operate and the way you could be an asset? I, you know, what's funny is like the first time I can remember really just like pushing and getting my way is in high school. Right. Like I I'm sure you guys can remember coach you, everybody had a high school football coach that was just like quintessential high school football coach. Right. He was coach Mo wore these terrible short shorts every day. Right. It was like, bro, it's not the 1980s. Like it was just like so ridiculous. And he was the weightlifting coach and he was also the football coach. Right. And I would ask him, I started freshman year. I asked him if I could 
take videos and help my friends to build up, because this is pre-huddle, right? To help them build a catalog, right? So that when they left, I could help them edit together a package that they could send to schools. No, you just want to hang out with the boys. You just want to hang out with the boys. <laughs> and I was like, trust me, I can hang out with the boys. I don't need to hang out with them at football practice. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't need your help, bro. And he was like, no, 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 you just, you just want to hang out with the boys. All freshman year, asked him, peppered him, peppered him. Sophomore year, halfway through our season, he finally, and I don't really remember, it was just like, I think I went like literally every day in one week when we were playing Schaumburg. I went to Conant, played Schaumburg. It was our rival. And I was just like, I need to help our guys. You don't have anybody doing this. And he was just like, fine, Demacos, fine. Do whatever you want. And then he let me do literally whatever I wanted. And from then on, it was like, I don't know. I was never chat. Like I never felt intimidated because I was a, I was a little girl. I was 14 when I started going, like I had no business, right? I weighed like 80 pounds. I was like this scrawny little thing walking up, marching up to the football coach, pointing my finger, telling him like, I need to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, who taught me to do that? And then I'm like, Oh, Plato. Literally. I watched my dad. I'm like, I am my father all the time. It happened at worst nightmare totally became him. It's only getting worse as I get older. And I just, I, now I just lean into it, but that's, he very much so like that was, I was the only girl in my kindergarten class. Right. I didn't, I don't really remember this. My mom was all time line leader. Like my entire life had been bossing around men. It was like, I was literally created to do this. Like I'm, it's just how it is. So let, I don't let know. Me, let me just say, I am very happy to hear someone say they have turned into their father. And that's just the way it is. Because <laughs> my three kids are fighting it all the step of the way by mocking me at every chance they get. And I told them, I told them, they will, and they already do. They start to have sayings or do things and they go, oh shit, that's dad. You're damn oh, right sick. it is. Yo, You're it's damn sick. right it I, is. I literally, in the moment, like I will be leaving the house and I'm losing my shit because I can't find my freaking keys. And I'm like walking around and I'm like, lose. and I like look around and I'm like, God damn it, Plato. Like, I'm like, cause I just know like it's, I am my father. Like I literally am my dad. I'm like, this is a Plato moment. I am him. And my brother and I talk about it. My brother is still in the Golic children phase. He is still fighting it. He still pretends. And I'm like, dude, you are dad. Like I'm dad, but you were literally him. So like, just own it. And he's like, no. I'm not dad. I'm not like dad at all. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, yeah Mike's fighting it. Mike, Mike, uh, or Gojo, I should say, is fighting it. Meanwhile, he's telling me he's been in his apartment for, or his new place for about a month, and he still can't figure out how to turn TV on. Bro. No, we got we got it situated, but I will say, I do have my dad's, like, situated. very... I, we, I do have my dad's very short fuse when it comes to technology betraying me. And I always catch it because there are really two things my dad cares about walking into every home. One's been well documented on this show, and it is making sure that everyone is breathing clean air in the house and changing your house's air Change filter. your filters. Just Change your filters. Absolute yes. day one important stuff. Yeah. Smart, very important. Man. I, 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 but when Father's Day came and there was a thread uh, by Ryan Nanny about the most dad thing you do, mine is set an alarm for every three months to change my air filter. So that yep. shit is grade A, A1, you know, game day fresh. The other thing my dad cares about is wherever he is currently at, whatever property he is currently at, 
the cable needs to work. And his yep. war against cable television and its providers has been one that has now spanned decades. It is a battle that will never be fully over, but much like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the icy hill, that's not going to deter him from actually trying to do it. And I find myself, when I lose a remote control, when for some reason the cable's not working, and now the latest one... When I can't find a streaming password and I need it. I did this the other day trying to watch Wimbledon and having to authenticate it. I found myself losing my shit the way my dad always does when he is asking one of us in an absolute tempest what one of the fucking passwords is for Netflix or any of the other streaming services he lives on. Yeah, listen, that 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 is... I pay cable companies in the couple of places I have. When I go to them, I expect them to work. If they do not work... I call them and say, why isn't this working? I'm going to take off the days it's not working on the bill because it should be working. Yes, I, mean, I love off. this. Feed me this energy. Is, it, I oh, need is there a user error fee? Like, I feel like... That's, well, it's so, it's so, know, there, that's, sh there should be. My brother yeah. came into town for the golf tournament just oh, long enough before the birth me. of his child to get the cable to work on the outside TV for my dad that had been thwarting him for the last two days. So the every only, once in a yeah, while, God sent him angels. That was one I didn't lose my mind because I knew Jake was coming in town and I knew he would be able to fix it. And luckily, he fixed it before his wife called and said her water broke. So I caught, I caught, a, I caught a little luck there. But don't 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 uh, get away with this. I believe you've been leaving that TV on outside just in case. Uh, I feel like it's been on ju ju just. Oh to no, make it sure. works perfectly. No. Works great. Okay. He did okay. a great okay. job putting it together. Just yeah, leave yeah. it on all the time. Yeah. Just leaving it on. Yeah, yeah. But I, I pay for service just because I'm not there for a while. That when I go back, like when I come to the South Bend home, it works every time. When I go to the Arizona place. I mean, it, it's unbelievable that some of the TVs don't work. I'm like, nothing has changed. Nobody's done shit out here. Probably Cox I, Cable, man. It They're is. Always... Yes, I knew it. Yes, it <laughs> is. They're the bane of my existence. Oh, my God. I it knew drives it. me nuts that the it doesn't worst. work. Oh. There goes our Cox sponsorship. Yeah, I was well. say, Listen, that Cox, was, you can really make this right. Yeah. They can really make this right, Cox Cable, by yeah. literally <laughs> coming <laughs> and letting us you know, give us the best stuff and make sure it works. We can be oh. great influencers, but make yes, sure it works because otherwise we're going to trash you. I can be a great friend goes. to you, Cox Cable. I can be a great friend. <laughs> we to could you. be a great or, ally, but you choose to be violent. This is this is a real, this could be us, but you playing name. I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> you could have, this is a great scenario for them. And if it's, something's not working, I'll just, you know, head over to the Golik house and help him figure it out. Cause I got to do it for my dad. Anyways, I'll just yep. scoop one and then go to the next one. I'm like, yep. Boom. All right. Going to see Plato and Mike. Here I go. <laughs> it, it, takes, it takes a village to raise our dads in the era of technology. Um, Speaking of change, Dad, I'd, I'd, I'd get thrown out of the gym right now if I didn't ask you about this. Cause I know people have been clamoring about it. People want to know if you know what Notre Dame's going to do in all this conference realignment. Um, I, I'm not sure why they think I would know, even though I live, you know, even though I live close to some very influential people here in South Bend. Um, um, hmm. I think in time they will join a conference. And sorry, ACC, it ain't going to be you. Uh, it's going to be the Big Ten, but. I, I, I will say this, there, there, and I think Jack Schwarber, the AD, has done a great job of, of foresight. Now, it helps when you're the prettiest girl at the dance. You know, yeah, and everybody... talking about every, being the hot girl. Yeah, being every, every, every sit-back-and-wait. Just page what you said before. Sit-back-and-let them come to you. So, 
they're in a great position. And the position is, how soon do we go to 12 teams in the playoff? We go to 12 teams in the playoff, it's an easier road for Notre Dame, Dame to get to the playoffs if they're independent. Now, if they do that and they only take conference champs for the for the first four and their buys, and Notre Dame will never get a buy, that's something they choose to live with because they're independent and still have the independent money and go with that. Where do we get the line of being independent? Are they going to stay with NBC? Are they going to go to another network? Is another network going to throw more money at them? Or... If you go to the Big Ten and the Big Ten signs that eight hundred to a billion dollar deal, is the money you're going to get from that TV deal going to really outweigh anything you can get independently? So there's still kind of a lot of lot of you know um, branches on the tree for them to go. Uh, I am one of those, or people think because I'm I'm been around for a while that I'll be mad if they lose their independence. I don't give a shit if they lose the independence. I don't care. I want what's best for Notre Dame. And if, if what's best for Notre Dame is to be in the Big Ten and get all their sports over into the Big Ten, uh, th- then I'm happy for them. If it's to stay independent and still do their thing, which, again, every Notre Dame hater out, out there, go ahead, because if your school had the ability to do it, you would do the exact same oh, 100%. thing 100%. Notre Dame As somebody is doing. who likes to hate yeah. on y'all, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Jealousy at a yeah. high level. Yeah. Everybody, everybody would do it. So. Do I think eventually we're going to get – Mike, I go all the way back to the conversation me, you, and Trey had when you guys believed that the Power Five would break away. And I didn't think the Power Five would break away in mass because I didn't think all five commissioners would ever get along. Greg Sankey is never listening to anybody else. So, And, and now we may get to two. So we're not going to get five. Another question, another ancillary question, is who's going to be number three? And I would say probably the Big 12 has the best chance to do that. But we'll wait and see. So I think – I think eventually down the road they will end up in the Big Ten. I really do. But I don't think it will be as soon as people think unless the landscape continues to change at this rapid pace, meaning we hear of whatever this Fox deal is for the Big Ten, if it's a billion dollars, that's going to be crazy. Right. That's what I want to say. It's easy for us to say as Notre Dame alumni, we want whatever's best for Notre Dame because we are sitting as the privileged, most yeah, privileged yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me, take, let me take this over here as oh, the only God. non-Notre Dame alumni on Sturge. this uh, shtindig here, okay? Uh <laughs> What I would like to know, seriously, though, is what is, in your opinion, all three of you guys, because you may have different opinions, what do you want to happen, right? Not what you think is going to happen, but, like, what do you guys think is the best thing to happen for Notre Dame? Not not right now, but for the long-term future, because I think the outlook is, okay, we're going to be at two conferences potentially long-term, and, and there's also – you know, I, as a Nebraska fan, I remember when they moved from the Big 12 to the Big 10 – I hated it from a football perspective. Not playing Oklahoma felt disgusting, right? It was like this is this is this is what college football is, right? Like I was like, I, I don't understand how you're not going to do that. But the research money and the backing in the school and like so many things that are not related to football, which I know nobody wants to talk about. The Big Ten has a lot had a lot more to offer, and it was like, well, this is a no brainer for Nebraska. They're going to be able to to really do a lot more that they haven't done before. So, I want to hear. I, I was going to make a joke, but I decided to be serious instead and ask you guys a real question. I'll let you, young. 
Well, and before before we get to that, because I will answer the question, but Paige did hit on something that I am fascinated by. Has, has Did that change your fandom at all? Because I think what you just described about losing a lot of those regional rivalries and rivalries from original conferences is what so many people are talking about. And Joel Klatt was tweeting about, hey, this will eventually be good for college football fans, but I think it ignored that you're probably talking to two different groups, people that consume it more casually as a national game and people that grew up on it regionally. So did it affect your fandom at all it's so funny because I was in school right like I was a senior in college when we switched Mm. from big 12 to the big 10 and honestly and maybe it's just because Nebraska has such great fans they do they're just they're so loyal and they love and and I think there's a lot of the teams in the south that are in that same bucket where it doesn't matter they're going to be loyal to their team and and to me it was like I can remember the first we went, you know, Big Ten or Big 12, we played Texas. and We hate – I still hate Texas. Let me be very clear. I hate Texas, okay? They're, they're not back. They're not back. Okay? Wow. They got a long way to go. Wow. They got a long way to go. And there was a, yes, there was a field goal. It was a whole thing. It shouldn't have counted. Big, Ten, Big 12 championship game. Best best performance by a player ever in a Dominican Sioux. Should have won the Heisman. Mm, we'll get to that agreed. later. I agree with uh, that. We'll get to that in a you know in a separate podcast, perhaps, where we just talk about Nadamkin Sue and how dominant he was. But <laughs> when we switched, I just hated the Big Ten right away. Like it wasn't like there was no like I, we were, and maybe it's. I mean, I was in school, so it's a unique perspective. But that year, it was like we went hate Wisconsin, hate Iowa, hate like we were just like instantaneously switch over, and it didn't mean that the the rivalries that existed, like we played Oklahoma this year and a ton of people went to Oklahoma and it was a great game, right? And Nebraska Oklahoma game this year was like a phenomenal game and it still felt the same. Right. And it's like, okay, maybe if we can continue to make sure that those games still happen, I think you can keep some of the nostalgia that people like me, I still want to play Oklahoma, but I'm good. Not playing Colorado. They were never great. I hate the fans and they were always rude. So I'm like, yeah, we're good. Like I get, I just want to play Oklahoma and we're good. And I, and I really truly hate Wisconsin more than any school I've ever played ever. So I, I and it happened right away. It happened right away. So maybe it's just cause I was in school, but I really think the switch happened. And from, from my, like from memory and then from now, man, the proximity to Iowa was a real easy switch. <laughs> it's like, and boom, we hate, we hate Iowa. We hate Wisconsin. We hate Minnesota, like real, real quick. I think geography does always help those situations. I, I like, I think that's something worth keeping in mind sure. in all this because the SC UCLA thing is going to have its own weird tangents to that. But no, I, I think that's super interesting because there are going to be a lot of fan bases that are going through what you just, what you went through when you were in school And so I think that's an interesting perspective from what I want out of this for Notre Dame, the question that you asked. I would say, and we kind of, we talked to Jeff Schwartz about this the other day, the feeling for an Oregon grad who doesn't want to see all the hard work that went into building that program into what it became in the 2000s, lost out of the reshuffling of the conferences. I would just say that, like, I want Notre Dame to continue to be involved in the biggest and best stages. And I know that's a luxury afforded to us in part by history, but I would also say it's because they've managed to be as good as they have in the last half decade. Like, 
five straight double-digit seasons and two CFP visits means that you have been one of the eight, probably top eight programs in college football for the last five years. Like, realistically, I have no, I have, I'm just saying, I have no guys that were one of the best three. I have no guys of that. But I guess is we've got so much of that positive momentum that I would like to see that carried to make sure that we end up in a place where we're going to have playoff access. And we probably always will. Yeah. Because Notre Dame yeah. means money to whoever sees it. But that's it, but. where, like, between you and Jeff, right? Like, you can be afforded that. Oregon yeah. can't be afforded that. Like, sorry, right. Oregon, you're not the hot girl. I know you think you are, but you're not. Like you're right. paying the Pac-12 as somebody who lives on the West Coast. Like half my team, they're like, I can't believe you're still up watching football. And I'm like, it's 9:30. What do you mean? And then I go there and I'm like, I now understand why nobody watches these games over here because mm-hmm. it's midnight and I'm not staying up till 3:30 in the morning to watch Cal play football. Like it's not happening. So it's it's for as much as I respect Oregon and I know. I actually, I respect Phil Knight. That's who I respect because that quite frankly has what has built the last 20 years there and the program and everything that's been built out. If you guys want to be a part of the dance and you want to be a part of the big boy show, you are going to have to do it eventually because nobody respects the PAC 12 and you were always going to get left out. It's, it's just how it is. And it didn't matter if they won the PAC 12 over and over again, because if all things were equal, they were the conference that was going to get left out because of quality of play. And so it's, I understand, but you've been afforded the opportunity to not play the best. So as a competitor, I want the best. If you're the best, come play the best. Just come beat us. You go play Georgia this year, bring your big boy pants. Let's see it. Right. Like you guys are the top team. Show it to me. Right. So that's where I I have a, I have a whiny Oregon fan. Shout out Brentley on my team. Who's just chirping me. Oh, I hear about it. And I'm like, bro, I don't want to hear about this. I literally moved conferences. I'm good. Like you guys can't say anything to me. I had to live this in college, like stop. So it's now, thank you, Mike, for reinvigorating this. Cause now I'm just going to tell everybody like middle fingers. Like I already did this. Well, but I would also say you did this as one of the blue bloods of college football while Nebraska, while Nebraska in the Scott Frost era has not lived up to the expectations that so many people had for his homecoming. You guys are always going to be one of the programs that people look back on in the nineties and all of those. Still a top five winning is program of all time. Right. Like you're, you're always going to be invited and Notre Dame's like, that's why even when I think about what do I want for Notre Dame, I don't really have to worry about that because they're going to get whatever they want. That's, that's where I kind of wind up. At let me, let me take the baton here because I've been thinking about, I was like, what do I want from this? And I feel like I'm going to get it regardless because what I want is I want Notre Dame. Well, well, I want Notre Dame. I, I want Notre Dame to remain special. <laughs> Right. Like I want Notre Dame to remain special. Like us being independent was that for a long time. Mike, when we were seniors in high school, Notre Dame had this worst year ever in football history, a three and nine season. And all we said as the number one recruiting class going in is we're going to come and change that. You know what I mean? Like it didn't matter relevancy wise. Like USC got mollywhopped by Alabama a few years ago when that game was set uh, at the beginning of the season, week one. When that game was set, USC was not who – they weren't even good when that game was set, is what I'm trying to say. So I think the the relevancy is still there, win or loss, for certain programs, USC being one of them, Notre Dame being one of them, too, because I say I want whatever is best. I, I agree with uh, Dad Gullick that uh, I want whatever is best for the university, 
But not if that means we go to the ACC. Hell no. Well, like, I'm I, trying but, to be on the new, the different. And what I want personally, I want us to stay independent, continue to collect our money, because I don't want the, the TV deals. Go ahead. Talk reason. to them. Well, well, I, I mean, I, I, I going to come out eventually. Listen, it's, well, go I, I ahead. But I don't want I don't want more money because I don't think Notre Dame is is lacking in that category, especially when it comes to building a football program. So I don't want us to get into that greedy like let's just get take the biggest bag. I want us to remain relevant and the the clearest, not even the easiest, the clearest uh, path to a national championship. Well, the the one thing I, I agree on one thing and disagree on another. Money is going to drive everything. It always does, always has, always will. And we you guys all know at Notre Dame, the, the two of you, Paige, you don't know this that. Anything Notre Dame builds on the sports side, they build on the school side. There, there's no yep. separate anything there, dorms, yep. anything. It, it can't be built for the sports side unless something is built for the school side. Shout out Notre so, Dame. So yeah, you know say, damn no, well. Notre Dame's new stadium, by the way, is a testament to that. That is a student center yes. that got added onto the outside oh, of the stadium yes. in addition to all so, the box seats. Along those lines, Notre Dame, like every other school, and loves money. And I wish every school would just admit that instead of doing what all the live players are doing and just talking around the fact <laughs> that we went to live for all the money because it's a hell of a bag of money so and Brandon I, I so I would disagree about the money so let's go let's say we go to the uh, the we're not going to the ACC I, I, right. I I'll use the well, term yeah, Mike you, I would use said, w- yeah. with us uh, no way on God's green earth Notre Dame football ends up in the ACC. Well, because Brandon, what you said is if it's best for Notre Dame, yeah, and there's clearly no path forward where the ACC no. is the best option for that. I will. I always want because I had a, a, a child in Sydney in a non-revenue sport. I always want to make sure non-revenue sports are doing well. And Shout they, out, they, Sid. They're doing well in ACC. Dang. They'll do well in the Big Ten. So there, there's no worry there. So then from a money standpoint, then you start to look. So let's say NBC doesn't up their offer and Fox says. We'll pay Notre Dame. will pay you fifty million dollars if we can have you exclusively. But along those lines, Fox signs a billion dollar deal or whatever the deal it is, and Notre Dame can make ninety million or over a hundred million from that TV deal. Would it then behoove them to be in that conference? Because right now, while they're not in the ACC, they're still playing five ACC games, and then Notre Dame's always known for the national schedule, right? So. You go to a conference, you lose that because most of your games will be conference games, even though right. you keep USC yeah, in a lot of it, right. which is which is yeah. pretty wild. But I still don't think in their non-conference games they would have trouble finding a big-time uh, opponent as well. And then just the, come uh, on uh, over to the Big uh, Ten. Uh, just uh, come again, on over. You guys are right there. You're just right I, I, here. You're so I do close. think we will. And, and another reason the money I think is important is, or to understand is is and NIL affects us, guys and, and Paige. I just mean guys, you know. Uh, it, guys, so, I say so too. are you talking about new money or old money to a new place, right? So is it new money for NIL that all these boosters are getting together? Is it new money aside from booster money? Or is it money that had been going to the school that is now shifting and going to the student-athletes? Are you talking boost- about with the TV deals? Or, or with, no, no, just with the boosters and NIL. So a boosters that, that are giving $50 million to a school collectively are now doing a collective and using that $50 million for NIL deals to pay players. Well, then where is that $50 million that used to go to the school not going now? It's not going to the school. So I can't begrudge mm. a school for trying to grab more money if no, they're, they're getting losing less, money right now. less from boosters. Oh, yeah. if that, unless, again, I said, unless I said it's new money. 
This was interesting. There was an article, I believe, in the LA Times today about UCLA and the fact that they're near like $100 million worth of debt and how this new TV deal represents an opportunity for them to climb out of that. So I think that's certainly going to be a factor. We do have to remember in a lot of these that it is university presidents making a lot of these decisions ultimately when it comes down to it. And to Paige's point, they are split on what the goals are because theirs is the university mission, even though the rest of this is driven so much financially. So I know there was a lot of work, you know, a bit of a workaround on some of the answers, but I think at the core of it is I want Notre Dame to continue to have the clearest path towards the playoff possible. And I think if they... Because the Big Ten media rights deal, let's say that does, you know, wait until after this season and Notre Dame gets the season to think about it. I would never begrudge Notre Dame for looking at the situation and saying, you know what, there's long-term stability with being in the Big Ten of the SEC right now. No matter how the super conference thing or the breakaway or whatever you know, galaxy brain shit we want to concoct shakes out, if we're with them with the way that we're currently valued and we still get a national schedule because we'll have an out-of-conference game we could probably throw the ACC's way. USC's now a conference game, but it still feet, scratches that West Coast itch for Notre Dame to want to recruit out on the left coast. We're going to be able to do all of that. And, oh, by the way, we'd make a bunch of money. Geographically, it would work even better for our non-revenue sport. For all your games, think about all that stuff that adds up. Like, the one thing that I will tell you, like, I can see it because every time... I'm back home in Chicago and I see these billboards. It makes me sick because it's a lie. And the billboard says, this is big 10 country with a Northwestern logo. And I'm like, lies, lies. This is (laughs) Notre Dame country. Like Notre Dame owns Chicago. It is a Irish Catholic city. There are so many Irish people there. It is ridiculous how many people on St. Patty's Day, I'm like, where do all these Notre Dame people come from? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot y'all are Irish, right? It just, yeah. it, it's, it is such a dominant and Chicago's proximity to South Bend, all the restaurants and businesses and places there that could use NIL deals to then fund players at Notre Dame. There's a lot of proximity opportunity there for them. I just, it makes sense. Plus the Demacos Golic like challenge has to happen in real life and this is the real way for it to happen right this oh, is how mean, this is how it happens in real life what an ass kicking every other year is that, listen is that we're, we're the about? only people that came to your stadium and made it red though I'll you know what all- and let me tell you uh, and georgia, was- georgia kind of did it too georgia georgia did do it as georgia well but nebraska all did it in 2011 nebraska did it and notre dame was definitely did it first definitely ticked about it real quick we keep talking about the money split I, you know, do a little math. There's 16 in the Big Ten right now, and if Notre Dame joins, I'm sure another will. So let's say there's 18, and they sign a billion-dollar deal. That's $55 million. We keep talking about $100 million to school. That's $55 million to school. Still a I, lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I would I was just going to say, I'd imagine if Notre Dame, and I think the reason that Big Ten would be inclined to wait inking that thing out is until Notre Dame absolutely makes a decision one way or the other because I think that number goes up like not an insignificant amount of money if all of a sudden you can sell Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Notre Dame yeah, as a four-pack. That's, that is, I mean, that is. It, it, it's, it's an insane television offering. And I think that's why everyone involved is inclined to sit back and kind of go at like, and I don't say this to sound obnoxious, like, again, like, 
The independence is not a core part of my identity as well. You guys are obnoxious. Just own we, it. It's we, fine. I just want you guys to just be that. Just be it because you are. And I love that. And I would be that too if I was you. The one page, thing that bothered me though. Baby was, in the, corner, though. the one thing that bothered me was some Miami writer saying that Notre Dame would lose its identity if we oh, lost Miami our should, like, Miami should not Idiot. talk. This is yeah, a terrible sports exactly. market and I don't want to hear about it. Like, just ah! quiet. Ooh. Like, I'm just but, not going to hear that. Hey. Hey, I'm not I'm gonna, gonna take that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna back that up. My last year in the NFL, Miami Dolphins, we were nine and two, best record in the NFL. Dan Marino, our quarterback, before he hurt his Achilles. We could not sell out the stadium. We were blacked out. Horrible sports fans. Now. You want to know why? Because you got South Beach. <laughs> yeah, they got, they got yeah, better stuff to do. Yeah, that's right. Literally. They got, I, they got other stuff. We've been we've been there. I know. I grew up in Chicago. Half the year, I wanted to die. Okay, so all I had was sports. So this is, it's just how it is, but you can't replicate that. But Miami, when they talk about sports, I'm like, quiet. It's the same thing for, it. it's the same thing for Southern Cal though. Like that's where college football, college football struggles because yep. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Let me tell you. You want to sit in like- traffic? Getting to USC? No, thank you. Much like the first time I tailgated after my college playing career was over. Now that I am out here 200 yards from the ocean, I get it. I, I, you're retired basically you're just retired on the beach you uh, just guys, like skipped a step i love I got, it i got press juice for the first time today i'm oh, not sure oh, if I like it. oh, oh man oh you're in it it's, it's got you're orange, all the way in it i love apple, it apple pineapple carrot, oh dude yes lemon, you're basic cinnamon. bitch basic bitch nation i love it Such just go all the way in so good you're all the it's so good oh it wait is. wait for juice cleanse though juice cleanse is nice it's every every wait. quarter um, before we get out of here and not take over too much of anyone else's time, it is beef week around here. And Brandon and I addressed this earlier in the week as we are getting ready for O-line masterminds this weekend where I will be down in Dallas. Paige is going to be there with the draft network. Beef, beef week is not just about physical stature, but it is about the beef that beats in your chest, which is Amen. why Paige is absolutely honorary beef. On yep, this because obviously. she appreciates and loves the big boys, and because she has a big heart. Nebraska chest and Man. Nebraska Corn land of the beef. Come on, come on now, come on land, now, land of beef. So, uh, from each page, first off, for you going down here, getting to O line masterminds this weekend, being around. You know, we talked to Lane Johnson earlier in the week, Teron Armstead, guys that'll be down there as a part of this. What has you excited for this weekend? What are you looking forward to? What you guys are doing down there, and who we're going to be around? Uh, let's start with the funny thing. So Carmen Vitali, who's a member of the squad, the draft network, she's down there early and she's, she's texting me who's throwing up at practice today. And I'm loving it. I'm eating it up. I'm like, I can't wait. Who's so she's like, she's calling out all the rookies shit. Then she's like, Makai Becton keeps throwing up. And I'm like, yeah, keep feeding it to me. I'm going to tweet this stuff, get Jets fans all riled up. Right. I'm like, yeah, your, your left tackle's out of shape. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, feed it to me. Right. So we're having fun with that. And, And Carmen and I are always like team educate the fans, like on a more serious note, like, one of the things that is a goal for the draft network and is really more so a personal goal for me is to educate the fan that sits on Twitter and yells about busted coverage, but doesn't know what the coverage is or yells about the coach and doesn't know what the play call was or yells about the route. Like they're all open. And I'm like, you freeze framed. That's not how that works. Like, it's just, you know, there's, we're always trying to, cause I, I truly believe in it and it's worked for us that, Fans like feeling empowered. They like 
being the guy. They like being knowledgeable. And football fans are so crazy, so crazy. They love the sport. I had people in Germany, right, that are hitting us up. I'm like, I don't even understand how you watch the sport, right? I'm like, you're just, you're literally a unicorn to me. I, I'm like, I'm so amazed by you. But for us, it's getting an opportunity to talk about, to me, the most undervalued position on the field that is such a crucial part of what happens every single down, every single down. And you guys want to protect your quarterbacks. This is what it takes, right? I'm like, this is the most, this to me is the most important piece of what happens every draft cycle, because we're always talking about the QBs. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if you don't have the big boys up front, if they don't have chemistry, they can't protect their guy. You can have Superman back there. We saw it. Patrick Mahomes got Rick rolled in a Super Bowl. Didn't matter. He was Superman. He was literally Superman and it didn't matter because he didn't, they, they couldn't protect him. And that's why stuff like this is really cool because for, for avid fans, it's like they're in it. The casual fans hoping to educate them. So they know a little bit more about how things happen on the football field. And maybe the Twitter fingers stop a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm living in utopia, but you know, I have to live there. Listen, if, if we can do anything to curb a little bit, if we reach just one set of Twitter fingers, then <laughs> the job has been done the right way. Right. It's my only More goal. informed Twitter fingers. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You can yell. Just be informed. When you have an opinion, I just want you to be able, if I ask you, like you're, it's my favorite thing to do. I'm in a bar. There's a guy and he's yelling about coverage, right? And they never suspect <laughs> the blonde girl to know what the coverage is. Okay, so it's my favorite game. And I turn around and I go, oh, are they in a 3-4 or 4-3? And they look at me and they're like, uh, what route was he running over there? Oh, he was. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. So let's just relax, okay? Because he, he ran the right route, okay? It's just That's Jalen Ramsey. And it's really hard to run a route on <laughs> Jalen Ramsey because he's a freak. Feel free to go out there and do that. So I just, you know, every once in a while, I just got to. I gotta protect the guys. If that if that guy's listening, guys. if that guy's listening, you get pressed like that by Paige. He's like, it, it looked like cover two at some point, and then mm-hmm. I really couldn't recognize. I'll it keep, but you know, I'll keep pressing. <laughs> I was I'll keep say, pressing. Paige I'm relentless. In the bar is not the person you want to be on the other side of. You want to be on her side where the drinks are flowing and we're firing fi- shot somebody else here. That ain't yes. the world that yes. you want to live Facts. in. So. Facts. No, Facts. Very, very excited for that, Dad. And so that's going to be awesome guys. Again, make sure if you're not already following and checking out everything, the draft network's doing and that page is doing get on it. There is that level of education there. There's so much attention to detail and it's not just draft season. Draft season is year round as we well know every day, every but day, dad, for you, as we talk about O-Lyman here, your mortal enemy yeah. mm-hmm. that prevented you from getting to the quarterback. Sure. I, so I was curious because sure. we talked to Teron Armstead about this the other day about the first time he went and met Fletcher Cox on the field Oof. and what an eye-opening experience that was. Like for you, as you went through your NFL career, your college career, who were the guys that stuck out to you as the O lineman you hated going up against? So first, can I ask at this get together that you know you O lineman have, do you guys talk about life after football <laughs> at all? Um, I, I'm just I actually, wondering because you all play the position where the next move in your life is after oh, football. Oh. All right. I mean, uh, right. Yes. 
I thought you were having like an earnest moment here. I knew better. Am I knew I, the punchline was coming. Am I wrong? I mean, you know, no, positions can switch. Cornerbacks can go to safeties. You know, DNs can lose some weight and go to back. I don't know, man. Some versus. of these guys got abs now. I well, feel like some of these linemen could lose weight. Have you seen Tristan Wirfs no, jump no, out of a no. pool? Normally Freak. it was often, we'd say offensive guards. The next thing they're doing is being a fan. Uh, no, I, I, you know, listen, you know, I have to, you know, I have to rip uh, linemen. That's just my nature. It. But they it. all, they all blocked me extremely well with a nine-year NFL career and only eleven and a half sacks. I was more of a <laughs> run stopper. Um, so the guy, listen, I love, and Mike, you know this. When, when we did games together, I mean, we love talking about this. There's nothing better to me than watching. The last thing I watch is the football. I start on the outside to know coverages, formations, and work in, and eventually. I'm going to get taken to the football. I love the play of the O-line and the D-line, the hand play. The best hand play guy ever to come out of college, in my experience, has been Ndamukong Sue. The way he used his hands in college, it's the toughest wow. thing for, a, I think, a player to go to the pros to learn his hand play. And But I love technique. And one of the greatest I've ever seen on technique was two guys, one I played against and one Mike you played with. Uh, I was, I was uh, teammates with Mike Munchuk. Mike Munchuk is a, is a Hall of Fame guard. I played against him when he was a senior at Penn State, and I was a freshman at Notre Dame, and I played wow. in that game and got my ass kicked. And then we were teammates with the Houston Oilers. I was, I was not a great athlete, so I studied the hell out of film and the game plan. I knew formations, and I could pick up stances, eyes, and all that shit. That dude got in the same stance every single time. No matter <laughs> what, every single time, his technique was flawless. Zach Martin is that way right now. Uh, there may not be a better technician. So I love that. I, and this is something that I think, Paige, you talk about the unsexy position. It, it is true. But yeah. what makes it that way is there's nothing spectacular about it because they're doing such little things over and over and yeah. over and over again that would make a normal person just leave the room because they go, I can't watch it anymore because they're not doing anything. Yet, this is what they do to become great. And it's the greatest working group together. The five have to be dancers. And make sure, Mike, you talk to uh, Stink, Mark Schlereth. I know who's going to be there. I used to love he used to, to, when he talked about when he was an old lineman, how I think it was mostly in Denver, they would just pass around the bucket and all puke in the bucket before the game, like you used to puke before games and throw up all over yourself. Never have I met a more neurotic group of players than offensive linemen, but never have I met a tighter group of players than offensive linemen. Yeah, That's why you love that's them, so though. True. That's why – that's because it's the beauty of – the game within the game. Like to me, when I'm watching and you're seeing those guys work together and then Carmen describes a play and she's like, every play that works is a miracle. And she worked me through that. And I was like, that's the most beautiful romantic way to describe football. Right. Sure. Because it's like, you have to, there's so many roadblocks to get to the touchdown that happen between there. And if you're watching all those things happen and you pay attention to all of it, it is like you romanticize about it. And maybe, listen, Carmen and I, we're a little psycho, okay? We love the game, right? We're married to it. So I get it. It's not for everybody that you want to just sit there and watch, you know, hand placement and technique. But, you know, these guys were at the draft house and I did watch them do O-line drills and Brooke Cromer and Carmen were also doing this against each other. Like, these are the things that happen at our at our draft house, right? We're, we're doing O-line drills. This is, this is the stuff we like to do in our free time. But, Mike, I will quickly answer your question and say the guys – uh, Dwight Stevenson was one of them. He was a center for the Miami Dolphins in the Hall of Fame. Uh, was some of the best technique I've ever seen in my life. Munchuk as well. 
Steve Wisniewski, who played with the Raiders, his Ooh. nephew Izo. played at your time, Mike. Him and I would get in fights all the time. He was a he was a clear play to the echo of the whistle. And the greatest was was uh, Anthony Munoz. Uh, I think Ooh. the greatest left left tackle of all time. Now I didn't play against him much. We were stunting out there, but whenever I stunted out there, you know, I couldn't do anything. And he never said a word. Never spoke a word. Just basically kicked your ass the entire game and then came up after and told you what a great job you did. I was like, dude, seriously. Larry, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, same thing. Yeah. Drove mm. everybody nuts. Oh. Yeah. It, it pains me to say anything nice about <sighs> offensive linemen, you know, because, you know, their dream is to be athletic enough to be a defensive lineman, of course. But uh, <laughs> I think what's so beautiful about the position and the group, and it's so true what Carmine said, it's like every play that works is a miracle, right? But they are the one of the only – one of the only positions in all professional sports that truly works as a team every play. Every and team. that amount of like pressure, uh, strategy, control, strength, uh, you know, it, hats off to offensive linemen. I have obviously have more respect for some of you than, than others, uh, depending on where you are on the line. But yes, it is. It you is not a have respect for out of curiosity, Brandon. Who do you not have Ooh, respect for? Let's yeah. talk about that list. Oh. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. No, well, yeah. Yeah, please go on. Feels like mostly, a natural thing. I don't know. Uh -huh. yeah. Come on, great, mostly, great follow mostly, up. Mostly left mm -hmm. guards. Ooh. <laughs> in general. <laughs> just because, like, the smart center and then the left tackle yeah. there, like, you just kind of like, come on now, like, get get out of here. Come on, it's, will, it's sack time. I, I will tell one story <laughs> about about that point about how they have to play together every single play. Now, I'm going to say this name, and not many people are going to know him, but he's a Hall of Fame player. His name is is. Um, Oh my God! I'm, I'm ah, yes, 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 bad yes, moment. This yes, is so yeah. fucking incredible. Oh, you fucking kids aren't gonna know his name, but I do. Dead I, was so, I was so ready to fake know his name. Oh, this, this is the greatest. Oh my God! This is incredible. <laughs> We're gonna leave it. We're leaving this in so everyone oh, can dude. watch you squirm right now. This is so funny. Oh, oh man. This is just <laughs> Awful. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is this. Wait a minute. It better not be somebody that we know. Orlando Pace. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I got it. Now this is. I almost said. I almost said a, a guy who was a linebacker who my brother Bob played with because my brother Bob was drafted by uh, the uh, the uh, um, New England Patriots. It was uh, it was John Hanna. John Hanna was a guard. John Hanna was one of the more vicious guards to ever play the game. I mean, this dude. My brother Bob practiced against him and said in practice this dude would have spit coming out of his face mask and he would be shaking and his face would be red in practice trying to trying to kill you so we had john Hanna on early on in 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 mike and mike and he was uh inducted into the hall of fame i think in 1991 so he was had been in the Damn. hall for over 10 years and i said i said john what motivated you again this was a psycho physical one of the best to ever play i said what motivated you to play he said, fear. And I was just like, fear? Mm -hmm. I said, who were you scared of on the field? He said, no, 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 I wasn't scared of anybody on the field. My biggest fear and what got me the most was if I let down my teammate. That was my fear, mm -hmm. if I let down one of the guys on the line next to me. And I was like, damn, dude, okay, all right, all right. I'm yeah, that's ride or die, yeah. that's ride or die. Oh, just it was an incredible to hear that, to hear him say fear and then give what his version of fear was, was mm -hmm. actually letting down his teammate. 
So I'm glad I finally remembered the name so I could tell the story. Jeez. Listen, great I, story. Oh, great name, between, too. Between that and every play is a miracle, how can you not be romantic about offensive line play? <laughs> if, if nothing be- else. Beautiful. As we, as we come to the end of beef week here and get ready right. to head down to Dallas for O-line mastermind, the summit full of some of your favorite collegiate and NFL beef. If you got a minute, if you have an offensive lineman in your life, just find him, put a hand on his shoulder and say, I understand. I understand a little <laughs> bit more now because that's the goal. That's the goal of this week. That's the goal of what Paige and the draft network are trying to do down there at masterminds. And that's what we want to do here every day. So Dad, obviously, thank you for joining us every other Friday, as you always do. We're still working on payment processing there. But uh, yes. Paige, thank you for don't speaking hold, this Don't hold your existence. breath. Yeah, no, don't hold your breath at all on that one. But Paige, actually, thank you for joining us and giving us some yes. of your Thanks, time guys. here. Is there, is there anything else from the Draft Network that you guys got coming up that you'd like us to promote? Anything else you want to have out there outside of the exemplary work you're going to be doing at the Beef Factory this weekend? Listen, I, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, just go to the website, check out the draftnetwork.com. We'll be at a couple other events this year, um, this summer yet with Quincy Avery. So he'll have some more QB takeover events. So we got, we're dialed in on the 23 class on the 24 class on the 25 class. Shit. I'm looking ahead at a 10 year old, right? I'm like, Oh, the 2029 class. Like I'm, you're trying to beat us. We're wet. We're too far ahead. Right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a big gap here. I got to know all the QBs because I'm a bears fan and I've never had one. So wow. I'm on a perpetual journey to find one. Jim Harbaugh. Hopefully Justin Fields. Yeah. <laughs> the thrill and excitement of March mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's going to win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish in Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet five bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. No doubt a lazy river even Stu Gotts would be proud of there. Thanks to Dad and Paige. Again, download, subscribe, rate, review, Golik and Smetty wherever you get your podcast. Check out the Draft Network. They are phenomenal people. It is phenomenal stuff. But Brandon, you know what time it is. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse this, that, and the third. All right, all right, pretty solid. Simple. I, I can tell. I can tell when you come in with a plan because you're confident, and the gusto makes it work. It does. It doesn't have to be the rhyme scheme or the lyrics or anything. It's just got to be the gusto. You're a performer, and it's just got to be this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? That's it. It's just, it's just this, that, and the third. Yeah. It's just this, that, and the third, Brandon. Yeah, All right. We'll, get well, let's get to this, that, and the third, and. 
We wanted to start off on the serious note to give an update on what had gone on with Brittany Griner since we talked about her this week. Uh, Brittany Griner entered a guilty plea, or pleaded guilty, excuse me, to the drug charges that she was being, again, wrongfully detained, according to the U.S. on in there, for bringing what they accused her of as hashish oil into Russia. She told the judge that it had been done inadvertently. Now, sources said the guilty plea to these charges was a strategy to help facilitate a prisoner swap to try and get Mm -hmm. her home. Like, this was done strategically because in most U.S. officials' eyes and the way they've described the trial, it's theater. A guilty verdict was going to be a foregone conclusion. Fighting that wasn't going to help her chances of getting home over there. So this is merely a formality. This is not a true admission of guilt because in most people's eyes, Brandon, this isn't a real trial. This is a show trial as part of political theater for Russia and Vladimir Putin to use her as a pawn. But this has been the next step in that process. This trial could still go on a long time based on the way the court works over there and so we know uh joe president joe biden uh was able to talk to britney griner's wife for a bit and yes. have that conversation after the letter to britney griner wrote to joe biden and so we talked about it progress is likely going to be slow on this but this is the latest that we have yeah i mean right now we just have to be excited that some steam is getting added to it, not in the sense of just more people tweeting about it, which is also the case. Uh, there's been a lull of times, and now it's very real. You're seeing a lot of uh, free BG or we are BG uh, from a lot of people from the W, especially uh, her teammates uh, with Phoenix Mercury. But now there's a real trial that happened. Like now we can actually start uh, moving and waiting, and and now we can. There's we know who to be mad at. We're gonna be. We're gonna have a very start clear. Uh, depiction of what to be upset about as this moves forward because the fact that she is wrongfully detained I don't know if it's not past obviously it's a very real situation but we can move on from that and start start uh, you know setting the clocks of when we can actually try to get her home but obviously it's going to be a very long process if we're talking about a prisoner swap especially the the prisoner that Putin's throwing out there yeah so this is is still going to be a process that requires a lot of things to go right incredibly nuanced we talked a lot about that the other day so we will wait and continue to see what updates come out of this because it is going to be that keeping this news out there keeping the pressure on constantly and understanding and trying to take in all the information that we can on this so that is the latest that we have got there again we are wishing Brittany Griner well we hope that she is doing as well as humanly possible over there in what I can't imagine are our terrifying circumstances as she is being held captive abroad um all right brandon let's get to that and get to some of the good news that we can offer here on a friday for people this is exciting sandra douglas morgan is now named the president of the las vegas raiders She's the third woman and third African-American to be named president of an NFL team, and she begins her new role immediately. The Raiders as a franchise, certainly ones that knows about a lot of firsts in these areas. But Brandon, this, you know, I think in the wake of what happened last year with the Las Vegas Raiders and everything surrounding John Gruden, it's going to be easy to look at everything through the lens of PR. I mean, Lord knows we've done that with the Washington football team and seen the way that Washington and the Daniel Snyder and that ownership group have put people like Ron Rivera, their president, Jason Wright, in really difficult positions as the public face of a franchise that's got so much wrong with it that also happen to be minorities. Now, they are 
incredibly qualified and do incredibly well. And so I hope that is not what happens here with Sandra Douglas Morgan. I hope she is allowed to just do this job and do it well because we know how hard it is for women for black men, for black women to get opportunities like Especially this in this women. league in particular. And so yeah. this is a big moment. We talk all the time. We wish these weren't things that were happening as infrequently as they are. But now that she is there, wishing her nothing but the best here in what could be a very exciting time for the late, or for the uh, Raiders with new coach, you had the new stadium that opened last season. There's a lot of positive momentum there, even with the ugliness that we saw going on with John Gruden last year. Right. Uh, I, I see this and I'm uh, inspired and excited for Sandra Douglas Morgan uh, for this opportunity. I hope that this isn't her last time being a, a president uh, for the NFL. I hope she gets other opportunities based on what she's done for the Raiders. And like you said, the Raiders are in a perfect position to for her to do the right things and for those right things to show themselves almost immediately with all the newness that's going around the program. As much as I hope that it's not a um, diversity hire, which not that I don't want those to be the case because I do think that it's important for all diversity to be at the highest point in, at the, in these big important rooms that are making big important decisions. But I had a little bit of a Jason Wright twinge when he became president of the Washington football team at the time, where I was like, okay, now that now the black guy has to deal with all this this crap that's laying around yeah. here, and that is still the case for Jason Wright, and he's been working through it, uh, and he seems to be a, a, the perfect candidate for the job, and is working through all those issues. But the opposite is this this job over here on the other coast is set up perfectly to uh, reap the benefits and the dividends of good decision-making at the ver at the top. And we'll, and we'll get a chance to see it in Vegas for a very long time, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And to that end, the biggest thing that happens in the situation with the Washington football team is we hardly ever hear from Daniel Snyder when problems are going wrong. That's when Ron Rivera and Jason Wright are, hoped to, are made to answer questions. Right. I would hope that if there is still are still tentacles from what went on with John Gruden and the things that happened with that case, that would be an instance where Mark Davis says, no, these are problems that predate this person. I am right. responsible for what happens with my organization, and I need to be the one out there answering questions because, man, does it get tiresome when quarterbacks and coaches are made to go out here and answer questions like they were at the beginning when this all happened with John Gruden in the middle of last season. So there's right. not a recent track record that speaks well to that here. But again, I hope that it is different for here. And I hope that this woman is allowed to just go and do her damn job, which is all anyone wants to do in these positions. I do want to temper expectations from Raiders Nation because just because this important black woman is in this chair does not mean that your social media account may put out a tasteless tweet from time to time when something serious is going on. So uh, still, 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 uh, you still need me clutch, clutching your pearls, Raiders Twitter. Were, th were they the I Can Breathe shirt uh, tweet? Yes. Was that them? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. No. And Mark Davis came out and said it was, he basically like took, I was, took blame for it. I was going to say credit. He basically took blame for it. And I was like, oh, okay, come on. They left it up too. They left it up. It Make was, a statement. That, that they did. So, uh, again, in all seriousness, congratulations to Sandra Douglas Morgan. Wishing her well in what has, you know, been a chaotic last year for this franchise. Hopefully it's smoother sailing for her going forward. Brandon, let's get to the third, though. Yes. Because I know you were very excited. Um, 
so excited that it made you trot out your attempted British accent yesterday about what's going on in Wimbledon. Did you get any good feedback on that, Brandon? Because uh good feedback. Uh I was able to I was able to bring back self scout. I was able to self scout. I re-listened to it. I see how I may be of weaving in and out of some. I, you know what? I haven't watched enough Peaky Blinders. I think I told myself for not watching enough British television, I could rewatch the uh, Ricky Gervais office and do a better job than what I did yesterday, even though I don't think it was that bad. I don't know if that's me trying to get I, back into the accent. I had a friend text me and say, Brandon's British accent kept crossing between Cockney and Jamaican and Creole, and I didn't know that that was possible. But um, <laughs> I didn't know I could do those accents, though, so that's exciting. You never know until you try. Allegra's window. Um, Brandon, speaking of news surrounding Wimbledon, though, Rafael Nadal withdrawn from Wimbledon ahead of the match that's going to be coming up later today on Friday against Nick Kyrgios with a torn abdominal muscle. According to, I believe, a Spanish newspaper, reportedly has about a 7-millimeter tear in one of his abdominal muscles that he intended to play. And he said he knew that this was an injury he was dealing with coming into this tournament. It was made worse during his quarterfinal matchup that he won and ultimately decided not to go here. So now this means Nick Kyrgios, who was set to meet him in the semifinal when what would have been their third matchup against each other in Wimbledon, now goes on to the finals and sits and waits for his opponent. That is uh, terrible news on multiple fronts. Uh, we got robbed of some great tennis. Now we have to continue to think about that Taylor Fritz uh, Rafael Nadal match that was was so good, and also Taylor Fritz, the American from San Diego. It's like, damn man, you just you lost to Rafael Rafael Nadal. You know, y'all know his name. Y'all lost. You lost to him injured. Like he lost to him hobbled. And even yeah. at the end of that match, I was I, I turned to Michelle. I was like, you know what sucks? The only reason he lost that match is because he hasn't played him as much tennis. As Rafael Nadal, like he just has more games in him, and because of those games, is why he he, he tours tours well, and, so. and now it's it, it's I'm sure some people look at it and say, well, it's a shame now we wouldn't get a matchup between Fritz potentially and Nick Kyrgios here. And I mean, hell, if you're Nadal, the last thing you want to do, if you know, all right, I was already hurt during that and I managed to beat that guy. You got Nick Kyrgios on the other side who's been acting up this entire tournament. Really, that's just his mo, like. He is right. that like sort of like chaos agent in tennis. That's not the dude you want to go out there and get beat by while you're hobbled. That's not something that's going to wear well. So True. we wish him well in his recovery here. And Nick Kyrgios will be waiting to see if he will face uh, either Novak Djokovic or Cameron Norrie in the championship match coming up Come on, on Sunday now. then. So we'll we know we, we know who's going to win that. No, we can always going to win that. All right, Novak, Novak looks like a shark out there with a tennis racket in his hand. He, he, he's different. He built different. Yeah, I hope they put some water out there for him. Gosh. <laughs> that was terrible. I hate myself. I hate As myself always. for trying to be serious about my, my, tennis, my tennis commentary. Brandon's serious tennis takes. Mike Ryan is somewhere <laughs> scribbling this down furiously, getting ready to bet more tennis here. <laughs> if you have somehow made it to the end of this for Tennis Shark Combo Talk, God love you, God keep you, God save you for this weekend download subscribe rate and review the gojo podcast wherever you get your podcast leave us a five-star rating and a review everybody have a great weekend we'll talk to you on monday every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.